Welcome into another edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by Rob Cassidy, live from Miami, Florida. Rob, how's it going tonight? It's good, man. How are things in uh, Atlanta? I feel like I was just there. Boy, yeah, wet, rainy, cold, uh, the the usual. Unfortunately, I'm also on the injured reserve, playing hurt this week, recording the pod despite being on medical leave, which uh, unfortunately my medical leave hasn't involved much leave time away from work, even though uh, everyone assumes that this is our slow time of the year, right? Yeah, you know, I found it to be even worse. Like, I, the season is the slow time of the year, really, for us. I mean, it's become between seven-on-seven events and, you know, camps and everything else that we're running all over. America covering it's pretty hectic. So this week you had a chance actually to sit down, or you know, maybe you were sitting down or standing. I don't know what you were doing while you were talking to him. <laughs> it's actually stand, standing on my head. <laughs> you uh, you spoke to Mississippi State coach Dan Mullen. So uh, I'll let you set up that interview, and then we'll uh, go ahead and roll that tape. Yeah, you know we uh, Dan and I you know discussed a bunch of topics from you know his choice of visor to what it's like recruiting to, recruiting to Mississippi and from Mississippi, which I thought he said some pretty interesting things on that. So we can just uh, roll that interview now, I guess, and uh, I'll let him fill you in. All right, now joined by Mississippi State head coach Dan Mullen. Uh, great purveyor of the visor, Dan. Um, is that like a, uh, is that a, a choice for a coach to, to go the visor route like you and Stoops, or is that something you just decided to pick up when you became a head coach? No, no, no. I've done it. Um, I, I think it goes back. I, I, you know, I was a big uh, Coach Spurrier fan growing up, so uh, – um, when I started coaching 25 years ago, now I kind of I went the visor route right from the beginning. So, uh, and it, it stuck with me the whole time. Yeah, you kind of locked into that, I guess. If you have a visor <laughs> visor mentor like Spurrier, I wanted to ask you about the the class that you guys just signed. Uh, obviously, a, a very good class with some strengths along the defensive line. Really, is that kind of where you went in to kind of shore up that defensive line, or did that just kind of happen because those players were available? Well, you know, a lot of times it's a little bit of both. You know, you look at you, you're trying to balance numbers on your on your roster. We did, we had a um, you know we had a, a really small senior class this past year, so um, you know that limits the number of people you can sign and where you're looking at players and what position you're looking at them and all that. And um, but you know, and we had a, a Chris Jones declared early for the NFL draft, opened up another defensive line spot uh, for us right there. And, um, you know, as we went, that's a, that's a, that's a spot where you always want to try as best you can to stay ahead of the curve. You never want to fall behind on the defensive line within recruiting. So, um, uh, I think David Turner, a defensive line coach that did, did an excellent job, uh, getting the relationships, recruiting the guys and getting, um, getting the, the quality of players that we got in, um, part of this class. Of course, kind of the jewel of that defensive line class was Jeff Simmons, who people like, me assumed was going to Old Miss. <laughs> How long did you guys know you had him? And were you guys just like laughing at people like me that were projecting him to Old Miss? Uh, well, I don't laugh at anything because you know, I mean, it, it, the uh, we felt pretty good. You know, I've, I've, we've been recruiting Jeff for several years now, um, and you know, to be honest, felt pretty good about our chances of getting him. But until you know, until that happens, you never know what's going to happen until the end when it comes to when it comes to that stuff. So. Um, yeah, you don't have to tell me that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, it, you know, you're always worried right to the very end uh, of everything. But I, I think, you know, uh, looking and getting getting to know Jeff, I think, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm obviously thrilled that, uh, that he came to join our family, but I'm really happy for him. You know, I mean, getting to know him over the last couple of years, uh, he is a hardworking, you know, high-character young man. He fits the profile of really of what we look for here at Mississippi State as far as those guys that – um, you know, he's, he's uh, despite being, I guess, a five-star national player, um, 
you know, he's not a flashy guy. You know, if you get to know him, that's not him. And, uh, you know, he's kind of a blue collar, hard worker with, you know, with high character that really fits our program and what we're about. So I'm thrilled to have him. But I, and I also, you know, I'm happy for him that I know that this, our, our program really fits who he is as a person and as a player. I was going to ask you about some of those Mississippi guys. You've spent some time, obviously, at Florida as an assistant. So you've recruited that state. Uh, where I live, but now, now in Mississippi, how is it different there? I mean, talent t- can it still go under the radar in this day of the internet in Mississippi? Or I mean, it seems like guys really do kind of fly unheralded sometimes there. I think some still do, but not as many. I think the success we've had over the last couple of years, um, putting out putting a lot of two and three star players that we recruited and, and getting them into the NFL and, and being pretty high draft picks, I think is really kind of change the perception so uh, i think i think it's a lot harder for a mississippi guy to go under the radar now be just because of the success um that we've had over the last couple of years of uh on the field and in developing players to go on to the next level of um of what they've been able to accomplish what they've been able to do it's a little harder for the guys to go under the radar these days has that success you guys have had has that attracted other schools recruiting in mississippi more than than they have in the past have you noticed right. an uptick in that yeah, I do. I see. I see some more. You know, I mean, you know, usually you're used to just kind of the regional schools coming in here, um, but now you see schools around the country. You know, I mean, in here, whether it's you know from from Cal and Stanford to uh, you know to Ohio State and Michigan trying to get in here, and you know, schools all around the country. Michigan's um, trying to get into a lot of places. And that's, <laughs> that's, 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 that's what an, I hear. But, that's uh, another topic I kind of wanted to bring up with you. I had you is what. Are you at all worried? Are you one that's at all worried at the direction recruiting's headed with the signing day shows and the diesel trucks parked out beside people's houses and, uh, you know, all of this that people are doing? Is that something that worries you, the direction we're moving into, or it doesn't really matter to you at all? It doesn't matter, man. I mean, I'm not a big fan of it. You know what I mean? I mean, I think, I guess for me, though, our program, I mean, my job as a head coach is develop young men to become champions on, on and off the field, become champions in life, um, you know, to teach them work ethic and, and high character and how to do things the right way. And, uh, you know, I, I, I think part of the importance of the decision of recruiting uh, and, and the future that these young guys are, you know, the decisions they're making for their future, not just short term, long term. I think it's trying to get it's getting all caught up in a five minutes of flash for a press conference when in reality the decision is about the next 20 years of their life. And I, I think it is a shame that, you know, it it, it, it doesn't bother me, but I, I think it's a shame it is going in that direction some, that it's losing. Uh, some of the things that are really important uh, are almost getting lost in, in what's going on, and it's it's trying to be as much flash as possible when really it should be as about as much substance as possible. And um, when you're talking about young people's lives, I love, you know, people, you know, one of the things you look at, if people put up scores and, hey, who won recruiting day and who, you know, and recruiting is kind of a game that you got to go win. But I, I don't know. I have, I have children at home of my own. I would hate for somebody to play a game with my son's future and my son's life. You know, I don't want to play games with people's lives and their futures. I'm not big into all that. Um, but I guess I think a lot of our guys kind of – you see that by the type of guy that we attract and that we draw into our program are, are maybe a little less flashy and a little bit more high-character work ethic guys. 
you obviously, relatively anyway, for, for your profession, are a young guy. Um, I mean, maybe not as young as me. <laughs> but, but I'm third most ten- I'm the third most tenured coach in the SEC at this point, though. So I guess yeah, that might. I'm, I'm getting older. Yeah, no, that might say something about you know that's a whole different discussion <laughs> on, on what's happening there. Um, but I mean, it's just hard to keep a job these days. Um, but you know how 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 much have you seen it change recruiting wise, even in the short time that you've been a head coach? Uh, the relatively short. Has it changed a lot, or has it pretty much stayed static since you took over? No, I think it does. I, I think each year it's getting more and more. Um, I think there's just more and more flash of each year involved in it. Um, you know, and so you, you see that with. Um, you know, I, I think everybody's always trying to find an edge in recruiting, and you know, like you said, whether it's parking a truck somewhere or practicing somewhere else, or you know, I mean, everybody's trying to find their edge in recruiting. Um, but I also see that you know trickling down to the to the to the kids on you know and and uh, all the hats and the flipping and the signing day and the press conferences and all of that stuff. I, I think it's um, I, I think that's taken into kind of a, uh, a little different flashier level and, and a shock the world level um, than it's been in the past. So you guys aren't going to bring any professional wrestlers in for your signing day. I don't plan on it. You know, I mean, that's, that's not me. I mean, if it's something, hey, I, I should never say never. You know, I mean, if it looks like it'd be a good idea or fit our program, I'll, I'm all in, you know. Um, but, uh, you know, uh, it, for us, you know, I mean, you look, I, I read somewhere, though, that, that Duke had all of their letters in by 830 in the morning. Uh, they were done. And, you know, probably it shows maybe i don't know if that's the type of kid they recruit or one of those you know less flash there's 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 all different ways to do it um and i don't know that one's better than the other i just think there's different ways to do it and you got to do whatever fits your program the best no i concur let's have a little bit of fun here before i let you go i don't want to take up your whole day what uh what's the toughest opposing stadium you've coached in as a head coach Oh, boy, I don't know. I mean, I think Alabama is a tough place to play. One, I think um, it, it, it's obviously loud and big, giant, intimidating stadium. Uh, and they usually got pretty good players on their team, too. So I think they, what, they've had the number one recruiting class like six years in a row. So they they, have, they should have better players than everybody just about. So, um, you know, that makes it always a tough place to play as well. What's the last song Dan Mullen listened to, whether it be in your car or anything like that? Boy, the last song I listened to, I don't know. I just I just finished my run this morning. I'm trying to think what the last song playing. I think it was like Beautiful Day by U2 was playing as I was finishing up my run this morning, coming in and uh, trying to sprint it and, and sprint to the finish. You know, I think I might have predicted that. <laughs> you just kind of seem like a U2 guy. I'm a huge U2. I'm a big U2 fan. So I uh, got to see him in the uh, last summer on the, on the tour last year. That was fantastic. All right, the last thing I'll ask you and I'll let you go is what's the last movie you watched? The last movie I watched, you know what? After Shining Day, I took, went away with the family for a couple of days um, to take a break, spend some quality time. And on the plane, there was a movie on the plane ride home, and it was Everest. Um, so I saw that. The, the movie I'm most looking forward to seeing, uh, now that I we have a breather and maybe I can go home and watch it, is the uh, um, the James Bond movie. I didn't get to see that. That came out during oh, the Oh, yeah, yeah. People, people like that. I, I, I have not seen Everest. I... I... I'm guessing. It was really, I, was, I do have my nerd side. I will say this: we did. Uh, we took the whole team opening night to see Star Wars during bowl prep, though. Uh, I, I do have my nerd side on me, and I was I was ready to go. I didn't dress up. I, didn't dress <laughs> I would like to see you as Han Solo. That would have been something. <laughs> 
I didn't go in costume, but I certainly was there opening day to see Star I Wars. just saw Star Wars, the original, for the first time uh, about a month ago. I would not seen any of them until a month ago, but I'm all... Uh, Holy yeah, we Yeah, so, you know, I'm caught up now, so I'm on your nerd level. But anyway, <laughs> appreciate you coming on, Dan. We really do. And, uh, you know, I'm sure maybe down the road sometime we can, uh, we can do this again. It's been fun. Anytime, anytime. Thanks for having me on. Boy, what a fascinating conversation, Rob, talking with another SEC head coach. Uh, what, uh, you, know, you mentioned a couple of things uh, before the interview that you found interesting. What was kind of your biggest takeaway, though, after the, having that talk? You know, it's just interesting to see how far other head coaches will go, and I've talked to a lot of them now in talking about what recruiting has become because you can tell they want to, like, run it down and run down these signing day events and the, the semi-trucks, but they can't because they may have to do it in the future and they know it. So they kind of walk a weird line between, well, I don't really like the direction it's heading in, but I'm not going to completely condemn it. I don't understand why they do it. I would do the same thing if I was in their position. I mean, your paycheck depends on it. You've got to, uh, you've got to keep the door open to all kinds of tactics, right? I found it interesting that when he said, he said the thing about, I, I don't know if it was shots fired at us or not, but he mentioned keeping score or who won signing day. And he was like, I wouldn't want someone talking like that about my son. Do you think that was directed at us? Is that directed at other coaching staffs? What was that What was that comment about, do you think? You know, I, I think it was directed at other coaching staffs. Um, I think that it was a way of saying that, you know, Mississippi State views, and this is, you know, obviously his talking point, Mississippi State views you as, maybe he was talking directly to recruits or trying to, uh, Mississippi State views you as a human being with feelings, and these other schools view you as a number to help them win a competition. You know, on signing day, I think that's how I, t- I took it anyway. It could have been shots fired at us. Dan is a crafty guy. Maybe he was throwing one across my bow. Well, you know, I'm always looking for a reason to uh, to start a fight with somebody. So maybe I just <laughs> no. no. He was he was great though. I mean, I don't think that they make head coaching interviews better than that. And quickly, the Commitment Issues podcast is becoming the go to uh, SEC for SEC head coaches, right? I mean. Two, two weeks in a row and, and maybe more. Several other coaches uh, lined up for this offseason. Another thing I wanted to touch on real quick when it comes to Mullen, you met, you asked him about you know, hidden players in Mississippi, and he said you know, we've turned two or three-star guys into NFL players, and he thinks that's made it harder. Do, do you see when Mississippi State offers a guy, does that catch your attention more or less than it may, it may have two or three years ago? Uh, I think definitely more. I mean, I mean, they've done so well down there recruiting. Uh, Mississippi is one of those places where it is not particularly difficult for a guy to fly under the radar. You know, there's not a lot of events happening in Mississippi. And if you want to go see all the talent in Mississippi, you're going to some pretty remote locations and you're going to have to go to a lot of them. There's not one generalized area. It's not one city where all the talent is, you know. So it's kind of spread out. It's a little bit remote. Uh, and, you know, in a way, that's an advantage for these programs, I think, that Mississippi State can find guys. Maybe they have done a good job developing guys, for sure, but they've also done a good job at finding guys that maybe we've undervalued and the other recruiting services have undervalued because we just haven't seen them as much. So if you'd like to, to hear any guests you'd like to request, you can always tweet at us at Rivals Podcast. Of course, subscribe to us on iTunes. Uh, just search for Commitment Issues. Subscribe and leave us a rating there as well. Uh, just a reminder for maybe some new fans listening. We The numbers keep going up, so uh, you, know, you guys can get us every week directly to your phone. We're also on Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, and a few other options. So all over the place uh, if you want to download the show going forward. Now, we were talking to some existing coaches, but surprisingly, despite us being in you know, the middle of February here, we've had assistant coaching changes within the SEC. Uh, most recently, we had Damian Craig, the wide receivers coach and our co-offensive coordinator at Auburn, 
leave Auburn for LSU after Tony Ball sort of stepped away. I'm not sure what happened with Ball. He he actually moved from Georgia to LSU last year. Craig, though, of course, played quarterback at Auburn, was an Auburn man, uh, if that is a thing, and was a big part <laughs> was a big part of them signing this huge wide receiver recruiting class that included Nate Craig Myers, Kyle Davis, and a few other uh, Elijah Stove. Now he's gone to LSU. Uh, first, I guess let's talk about the general impact. Do you, you think uh, you think LSU won the deal trading out Ball for him? Yeah, I think probably so. I mean, he was. I mean, he definitely made some hay this year. I think that people respect him as a recruiter for what he did. What he did with you know Nick Craig was, I think, uh, was you know remarkable <laughs> for lack of a better word. Uh, it was pretty interesting to pull him out of Florida when early on in the process he looked almost guaranteed to end up at Florida State after he decommitted the first time. Um, so I thought that was pretty interesting. And, you know, I, I think that they've definitely upgraded there, and we'll see what they do, especially work in my state. I think that there'll be some, there'll be a line of Floridians lining up now, possibly. Yeah, and and I think it was a big blow to Auburn from a momentum standpoint. I think he was really well-liked. As I mentioned, he was a guy who went there. Uh, our Auburn, our Auburn site. Boy, that's a tough. That's there a, you go. <laughs> you know, all the all the kids call Auburn Auburn, so it's really uh, starting to rub off on me. But anyway, our our site AuburnSports.com. Uh, Jay Tate uh, had a column about it today, saying it was a big blow. They end up replacing him uh, with Cody Burns, who was a quarterback and wide receiver, also uh, at Auburn. I think he was on the national championship team with uh, Cam Newton. Uh, as a wide receiver after he moved he moved positions he takes the role and you know he's a young guy he he also played there he kind of fits the mold but I mean Damian Craig was an accomplished recruiter and coach he was at Florida State before he came to Auburn and uh I don't I don't think he can kind of be discounted um if you're Auburn now you, you know you, you have this class but un- unfortunately you also have the 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 vibe of losing consistent coaches and you have to think that that schools might use that against him especially after will muschamp left after one year now craig leaves after signing day uh do you think that's some ammunition well, here's here yeah here's the good thing for auburn i mean if you're looking for bright sides that can maybe ease this blow is that it's looking like to be a historically deep year for high school talent in the state of alabama and i don't think that really affects alabama as much because alabama is going to recruit you know, nationally, they're going to get the guys they want regardless. I think that this is really going to help benefit Auburn. Um, I mean, it's it's really deep. I mean, there are guys, I and mean, they might go 15 deep on four-star guys uh, by the time everything's said and done in that state. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how many Auburn, you know, guys don't get away from that state very often. If you look historically, it's pretty rare, at least compared to most other states, that a lot of this top talent leaves the state. So if Alabama fills up on wherever they're going to fill up, I think Auburn's going to really benefit from this year in Alabama. I think they, they're set up to really do some good work in the state in 2017. So we'll see how these new coaches can do in their in their new roles. That will be interesting to watch, as Rob said. Uh, now, the, in general, post-signing day moves, I think we expect these to happen every year. Do you think there's a point where kids ever wise up and say, go the route of our, our man Demetrius Robertson and say, hey, I'm just not going to sign? I mean, do you think uh, th- they'll ever band together for that type of move? Yeah, I think, I mean, absolutely. I'm kind of surprised it hasn't happened yet. Um, maybe it's just not, they're not aware uh, that they can do that. I don't know that that's very widespread knowledge. They don't have to sign a letter of intent. They can just show up on campus. I mean, nobody's forcing them to sign with a school. I, I mean, I don't really have a problem with it. I mean, you got to look out for number one, man. I've always said that. If you're a coach, uh, you've got to do the job of recruiting. And if that means bending the truth and telling these kids you're going to be there when you're not, uh, 
I, I mean, somebody's got to feed their family, right? Yeah. <laughs> I can't. I can't research. I can't besmirch coaches for that. I'm always uh, pro looking out for number one, whether you're a kid, whether you're a coach, or whether you're even a, a lowly recruiting analyst like uh, you or I. Got to got to look out uh, for number one first and foremost. That's for sure. Um, uh, so we had a couple commitments. I know it's a slow time of year, but I, I wanted to touch on these real quick. Uh, Amari Rogers to Clemson, I think, as we predicted in last week's episode. Amari, of course, the son of former Tennessee quarterback T. Martin, lives in Knoxville and ends up going to Clemson. Clemson kind of zeroed in on him uh, as a package deal along with Hunter Johnson, the quarterback that they that they uh, flipped from Tennessee earlier in the process, who's a five-star. And all of a sudden, Clemson and Tennessee setting up to be uh, – I don't know, in recruiting battles. It seems like there's a lot of crossover there between those two schools in recruiting. What do you think of that little recruiting rivalry we have all of a sudden starting it's, to brew? It's, it's interesting because now it's really bubbling up in Florida with those two schools because Tennessee's recruiting Florida like they haven't done in recent past, and they're doing it well since they've added Larry Scott over there. Um, and I expect to see them do even better in 2017. I mean, they're going to end up fighting with Clemson for guys like Trajan Bandy. They're going to end up fighting with Clemson for possibly a guy like James Robinson. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see some some head-to-head battles with them all over the state. I mean, it's going to happen in their own states, but it's also going to unfold in Florida, where Clemson is historically great recruiting, and Auburn or Tennessee is trying to become uh, great at recruiting that area. And they also cross over in North Carolina, where Charlotte is a big area for Clemson's recruiting, and we've seen Tennessee reach in there as well. So I, I find that to be a, a nice battle. It makes uh, you know our job more interesting. And uh, you know when Butch and I were talking last week off of the pod, you know he kind of uh, alluded to uh, Hunter Johnson, maybe the quarterback I mentioned that flipped. When I had told him that you know it was a good year for quarterbacks in Georgia, I was kind of talking about how I wasn't used to having these good quarterbacks, and I was I mentioned Chase Bryce, who's also committed to Clemson, and he was kind of like he he was like they have another quarterback committed in addition to <laughs> to Johnson, you know, <laughs> you, you could tell he. Uh, you know, he wasn't too thrilled about uh, about that, and it was. It's nice to know that, like you said, there is a little bit of rivalry there, and then I think we're going to see it, especially now. All attention turns to T. Higgins, uh, the Rivals 100 wide receiver, uh, who, who by the way, went over a thousand career points in basketball the other night. So he, he's doing it uh, multiple sports. He, Tennessee dying to get him. He recently decommitted, and Clemson, you know, the number one threat uh, when it comes there. So. Look, man, these coaches, and not just Tennessee and Clemson, obviously, but they get salty about this recruiting stuff now. I mean, you talk to them off the record a little bit, and, I mean, they do not mind lobbing accusations <laughs> at each other uh, all over the place, you know? Yeah, and, Cle- and, and Clemson does sort of, sort of times get a, a bad rap along, along the lines of Ole Miss, especially in Florida where you'll hear, you know, uh, coaches grumbling under their breath or other fans grumbling about uh, – about Clemson, the way kind of fans grumble about Ole Miss up in uh, this neck of the woods. So, uh, another. Yeah, I mean, it's just hard for them to fathom for whatever reason that Clemson has done so well in the state. But, you know, when you look around, the programs in the state that aren't Florida State have not exactly been uh, doing much on the field to keep some of this down home. So maybe uh, those to get turned around, Clemson won't be robbing the state as easily as they have been. So another commitment, uh, three-star Justin Schaefer, an offensive lineman uh, from Cedar Grove, right out, right, right near my house, actually here in DeKalb County, about 15 minutes away. Uh, he flipped from Louisville to Georgia, which is surprising. That the, uh, imagine that three-star has already been committed multiple times 
uh, following the Isaiah Johnson trajectory from last year. It's a it's a get for Kirby Smart. He fits the profile of what they want on that offensive line, and more importantly, it gets him into Cedar Grove, a school that also has uh, rivals 100 offensive lineman to Torrey Johnson. They missed on Antoine Jackson there before. Uh, before that, Bryson Allen Williams didn't didn't go there out of there, and then Jonathan McCrary, of course, went to Vanderbilt. So it hasn't been traditionally, despite it's, being close, hasn't been a school that George has been able to recruit. Is Cedar Grove the school that, despite me never having been there and never having covered the state of Georgia, that, that random parent threatened to ban me from? No, that was I mean, uh, that was, was Archer. Just, that was Archer High School. <laughs> that guy was just so mad at rivals that he picked like the first guy that he could find on Twitter that had Rivals.com his bio and threatened to ban him from a high school that he doesn't even cover. <laughs> I, be- I, was, I was bewildered. I believe he picked you because you had written the Top Performers article, uh, which his son was in. So I think that was how you Oh, that's banned. right. That's right. He was mad that he was mad that his son, I, I, took, I didn't list his son as like in shorter than he was or something no, like that. No, you didn't put him high strange. enough. You put him low to dis- disrespect. So. Of course. Um, no, I'm banned from that high school. So. Well, I guess what? I didn't. I didn't go to a game there this year, but I did break two commitments uh, in, the, in the last six months from that high school. So, uh, you know, put that in your pipe and smoke it, uh, aforementioned uh, person. Before, aforementioned random angry parent. Uh, well, anyway, so a uh, little quick uh, touch on our boy Demetrius Robertson. He was supposed to get the test scores back. Everyone listened last week to hear him uh, talk in his extensive interview he got the test scores back, but guess what? He won't tell us what they are. So uh, we have uh, nothing. No- All right, see, this, this goes against everything I said last week about him really not knowing what's going on and kind of defending him as not doing this for Spotlight. I mean, I can understand. Actually, you know, the more I think about it, I, I can understand not wanting to share a test score publicly with strangers. I guess I get that. But my whole thing is, if this is all about Stanford... Does he think that admission to Stanford is going to happen overnight, or are we dragging this out for another month? Because it takes that long to, I mean, even if you expedite this process, it, the, uh, the application process, process to a place like Stanford is not short. <laughs> well, guess what? Uh, I, I don't think he, unfortunately, I don't think he got the scores. I can only speculate. So, uh, you know, there's been a lot of buzz, uh, to, to use a pun, about Georgia Tech all of a sudden. Um he posted a picture on Instagram that, that caught people's eye, and then today he just posted a picture about Georgia. Uh, I, I believe it might have been a picture I took, even. He posted to Instagram uh, without any photo credit, so I would uh, – <laughs> I should get on him about yeah, okay. it. Forget that. Contact your lawyer. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hit up Instagram. Like, this is clearly a violation of uh, terms and conditions. <laughs> the, the old t- – the old TOC has been violated. So we got nothing new on Demetrius, unfortunately. I do think we'll have an answer soon, though. So, uh, you know, stick around. We'll see if we can't uh, get something out of him. And then, uh, real quick, this is not on the rundown. You know I like to go off the rundown, Rob. The latest McCaffrey. Uh, what, what's the quarterback's name? Dylan, Dylan, Dylan McCaffrey. Dylan McCaffrey just committed to Michigan, uh, which – is very interesting as we know the quarterback dominoes have a big impact. The reason I want to bring it up is because Davis Mills now on the market, he's ranked in the top 25 players in the country for us. McCaffrey was waiting to see what he was going to do because uh, I believe Mills is higher on Stanford's board than McCaffrey. So this could signal that uh, with, with Davis Mills likely to visit Stanford at the end of the month, that he's going to jump in the fold with them. 
Uh, am I reading too much into it? What do you think about the dominoes? Uh, you know, I'm not so much as concerned with the dominoes as I am with our boy Ed McCaffrey has just slung his seed all over the country. You know, he's got the wide receiver at Duke. He's got, you know, the kid, obviously, the Heisman Trophy frontrunner for next year at Stanford, and now he's got one headed to Michigan. You know what else he has? A line of mustards. He, uh, he, he makes mustard and horseradish, Ed McCaffrey does in his retirement, and bottles it and sells it in Denver area grocery stores. Well, yeah, I saw that Stephanie McCaffrey was also playing for the U.S. women's soccer team uh, this week, and it made me wonder <laughs> if she's related. I, as best I can tell, as best I can tell, she's not related. Uh, but guess what? She's McCaffrey, and she's a, a very good athlete, more representing the women's team. But getting back to Mills, this is a guy that I, I mean, personally, my favorite quarterback in the class. I think uh, you know has a potential to be a five-star guy. I think a lot of these schools in the southeast have slept on him, and I think. Now the door's open for Stanford. So we had a lot of a lot of Stanford compliments last week on the Demetrius Robertson interview, and uh, I think Stanford fans uh, should pay very close attention to Davis Mills, especially if he does make it to campus at the end of the month as he's supposed to. So uh, pretty soon we're going to see a lot of these these dominoes fall. And I think uh, Stanford's the exception out here. I always tell kids when they tell me, you know, I'm really considering going to USC or I'm really considering going to Oregon. I'm always like, are you really considering that, or is this just like every kid from Florida says that and from Georgia that they, you know, I really want to go to Oregon. But then when push comes to shove, nobody actually goes there. Stanford's the exception because of the education, I think, where they're kind of, I, I don't second guess the kids when they tell me they're thinking about Stanford like I do. I just completely dismiss them when they're like, yeah, I'm going to go to Oregon. That just does not happen here for whatever reason. No, I think, uh, yeah, that unfor- yeah. unfortunately, until they take a visit to Oregon, that's when you got to start taking them seriously. But Stanford, on the other hand, Mills has actually visited both those schools, Oregon and Stanford. And uh, I personally, and, and Michigan was also in the mix as well. He was there earlier this year. I think he did a doubleheader when, when Michigan had a big game, and then Michigan State played Oregon. He went to both of those games. So uh, he's, he's done the, the visit circuit now, I think. Uh, probably Stanford. So we know, uh, you know, I, I tend to tr- trust Stanford's coaches uh, on quarterback evaluations. They seem to have done a pretty good job over the last few years. And I think if Mills is their guy, uh, I think it's a good pick for them. All right, now is the time. Ransom recommendations. It's been a short week. I've been sleeping mostly, uh, so I don't have a whole lot to go. I do have one complaint, uh, but do you want to start us off? Do you shock, have- shock. No, go ahead, because I don't have anything. I'll have to, like, think while you're complaining. Well, you know, so we've seen a lot of these gourmet donut shops pop up in the vein of the famous Voodoo Donut in my home state of Oregon. Uh, I happened upon one the other day. I went in there to uh, to get a donut uh, on Sunday, actually. And, you know, they've got a million kinds. You know, we've got cotton candy. We've got, you know, Nutella, whatever. We've got this. We've got candied bacon. Do you know what they don't have, Rob? Jelly donuts? A maple bar. Oh. Let me tell you guys something here in the southeast. Maple's hard to come by. But guess what? There's a reason that all of Canada, is, uh, that Canada put it on their flag, for crying out loud. They love the maple tree so much because it's delicious. Maple bars are the best kind of donuts. They're so hard to come by. They're, you can't find them anywhere down here. The number one, Voodoo Donut, started this whole stupid trend of gourmet donuts. Do you know what their signature donut is, Rob? It's a maple bacon. So, if you're going to rip them off completely, give me a maple bar, right? I, you know, I'm not much for maple. I could never work in Canada. I, it's just, I just think it's sticky and gross. 
You don't like maple syrup? Not at all. I don't. I if, on the rare occasion that I eat pancakes or waffles, which I never do, uh, I just go butter only. Yeah, well, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> just, just, hey, man, it's just a personal taste, I guess. I, do you remember when I almost got fired for making a maple syrup joke about a Canadian wide receiver yeah. and our old boss freak, freaked out? I do remember that. That was. We got to apologize publicly to the entire nation. To, to the nation of Canada. And, but it's like, my whole defense was man, it's not like stereotyping if there's a maple leaf on their flag. I mean, these people like their maple. It's, I mean, it's just true. Well, guess what? Uh, give me a maple bar. If you're going to, I'm not saying everyone should have maple bars. I understand it's hard to come by, but if you're going to invest and you're going to have a gourmet shop and you're essentially going to rip off Voodoo Donuts, there's one down there right down by your house called Mojo Donuts. It's a blatant ripoff of Voodoo Donuts. It's the, like got the same theme and everything, you know. Yeah. Yep, I'm not like a, I'm not a donut guy really. I'm not really a sweets guy, so kind of I haven't even. If it's by my house. I've never seen it. Well, j- just just have a Donald. I'm saying if you're gonna have 90 varieties, have a maple bar. So, and it, if you've never tried a maple bar, when you go north of the Mason Dixon line, make sure you make it happen. Have you been watching Fargo? Yeah, yeah, I've watched both seasons of that too. I have I have not seen it, but I feel that people that I talk to about that show, it, it seems like for whatever reason, it's a very polarizing show. Uh, where are you at on that? No, I love, I, that I love Fargo. Who, who doesn't like it? Who hates it? Well, if I say, you're just going to roll your eyes because it'll be the, and it'll be two times in three episodes that we've mentioned her on this oh, podcast. Oh, it's but yeah. Is, what's her face? Yeah. Oh, I'm sure woman she, characters aren't featured prominently. Get out of here. She was uh, so yeah. My girl Erin Gloria Ryan was raging, and I think her like her problem with it is something about misrepresentation of the Midwest. It's not about women. Well, so that was, uh, you know, that was a pretty bad conclusion to jump to there. Yeah, guess what? The show's awesome, and both seasons feature a strong, both strong minority and female presence. So I think uh, if I'm going to have to go with 99.9% of TV critics who say it's the best show on TV, and unfortunately, uh, what's-her-face, butts-her-face, uh, well, Gloria right, Steinem. You've got to at least remember her name. I, mean, I don't, I don't remember her name because I don't care about uh I don't care about it. <laughs> I'm so grouchy. Our listeners, Rob can tell you that I was so grouchy today. I called up and just ranted uh, separately for several, several minutes, which included lots of expletives. So, uh, Yeah, my whole drive between Orlando and Miami was full of just Woody cussing in my ear about various topics ranging from people that we work, colleagues, to... You know, just Aaron Gloria My mom. Ryan's, no, yeah, my, my yeah, mom. Your, 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 your mom. And also, also like, maybe the boxes in your apartment or the people across the hall. I, I kind of tuned out for a little while. Yeah, yeah. So there's all kinds of stuff. So that, unfortunately, will be on our unreleased uh, B-side album that comes out later in the year. But uh, I think that wraps it up. Uh, a shorter episode this week. Remember, like I said, reach out to us on Twitter. I'm at Rivals Woody. Rob is at Cassidy underscore Rob. And then please give us those ratings. Subscribe. Actually, on you, our YouTube videos, uh, doing gangbuster numbers, we're going to have to find a way to, to do some sort of uh, taping of the video aspect so we can kind of add that in because people seem to love uh, the YouTube videos, surprisingly, even though it's just a static image of our faces and us talking. And then, of course, remember, hit up uh, SoundCloud, Deuce. Uh, providing the music for this show. We'll be back with another episode early next week with another guest, Rob. I don't know. We can't make any promises, but uh, it will be a head coach of a college football team. Uh-huh.